This episode is available ad-free for Peakery Tribe members. Go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe, subscribe for free and get the ad-free version. Well, hello everybody. My name is Arno. I'm a coach in creativity and peace of mind and welcome to the Peaceful Creativity Podcast. My guest for this first episode is Scott Fraser. Scott is a coach, a spiritual teacher and one of the happiest person I know. We talk about meditation and the best way to start, and Scott has some surprising advice on that. Guidance, the amazing things that happen when you follow it, the story of peaceful creativity, living under a bridge, and much, much more. Thank you very much for listening, and if you want to support the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, because it really helps the show. And now, without further ado, I give you Scott Fraser. Scott, thank you very much for accepting to be the first ever interviewee in the Peaceful Creativity podcast. I didn't even know that was the name of it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how new this is. <laughs> But thanks for inviting exactly. me. This will be fun. <laughs> I think you know, uh, guidance invited you, and we're going to talk about guidance uh, during this this uh, podcast. But the way it happened is, uh, I was thinking about doing this podcast for several weeks and even months. And uh, parallelly to that, I ask you a, a question uh, that we'll come back to later mm, uh, yes. about uh, yeah about the meditation technique. And when you when you told me that you'd rather talk about it, it it clicked in my head that no, it needs to be needs to be the this is the impulse I needed to actually do the podcast. So ah, it's all feel really guided, you know. Very nice. <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe uh, before we go into uh, these uh, guidance and, and meditation questions, we could, uh, for our listeners who don't know you uh, yet, uh, we could uh, introduce you a little bit. Uh, you you have or you had an excellent podcast, um, and you used to introduce your, yourself as a man coach in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah? Is that still relevant? Is it is it still, is it still the way you introduce yourself to people? Uh, well, well, thanks for the uh, the feedback on the podcast. That was a lot of fun doing it, and I think you're our only listener at this point. So it's uh, <laughs> you know we we quit doing it a couple of years ago, so we don't have a lot of traffic on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, but we did do one new episode this year, earlier this year, David and I. Yep. Uh, which is mm -hmm. how we know each other. We met each other through David. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, at this point, no, I I consider myself if I have to label myself more of a meditation teacher than anything else. Um, there was a period where I was working with men exclusively. And mm -hmm. as I went deeper into my own journey, I guess, uh, and, you know, sort of felt through what 
what opportunities there were for me, it felt limiting to just stay working with men when really I was working with people on a deep spiritual level and using meditation for that. And on a deep spiritual level, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, there's no gender on that level. And mm -hmm. so uh, that's why I let go of that label. And now I just work with anybody who's interested in living their life in a different way, which is living it taking action, making decisions, really navigating life from the part of you that is beyond your mind. And so that's mm -hmm. where the meditation comes in. I help people connect to that part of themselves that's beyond the mind. And then I help them actually live from that place. And in the process of that, there is a psychological process uh, of, you know, the, the mind, psychology uh, has been driving so much of our lives and as you start to live in this different way, you let go of the mind's desire to control. And so there is a, a process of letting go of these psychological patterns that we've developed in our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's easier to just live purely from the part of yourself that's beyond your mind without your mind popping up and interfering and trying to take control over and over again. So that's, that's what I focus on these days with people, and I work with men and women. I see, I see. And so you, it's still some sort of coaching, but it's yeah. much broader than what you used to do at the time of the podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah or Broader in terms of who I work with and, and probably more focused in terms of the work that I'm actually doing with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this work is, I mean, I could see a tiny glimpse of it during the retreat uh, you and I met in. And uh, that leads me nicely to my next question, which is about uh, guidance. Because in this podcast, my goal is to uh, interview people that really inspire me on a particular area of, of their life, of life. And um, mm -hmm. I know just two people who live really by their guidance, and that's David and you. And um, <laughs> and you can find out some of how we got there by listening to the 20-Minute Man Hour, which is the podcast <laughs> David and I did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry. Go it ahead. will be in the show notes. We'll we'll put it in the show notes for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So can you? Um, oh, but hold on a second. So I'd yeah. like to hear an introduction from you. You just started a little introduction, which was great. But if you can introduce the podcast itself as well, uh, you know, peaceful creativity. What does that mean to you? What is what is you know what's your vision behind this, or what are you exploring with this podcast? Okay, okay. Um, you know, I spent, I don't know if I told you this last time we spoke, but I spent basically 16 years of my life um, running after an idea of who I wanted to be. Mm. Uh, for me, it was related to the, the music. And the idea was, I want to be a rock star, I want to be a rock star, I want to be a rock star. And I ran and I ran and I never stopped to realize that that's what I already was, you know, a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nice. I was not, you know, like, uh, I was not, you know, Rolling Stone or whatever, but I had all what I needed in that moment. I had like, I could make music. People would listen to mm -hmm. that. Uh, they were having like positive reaction. 
I was meeting friends. Uh, we were creating music, recording albums, making tour. Like everything, if I if I look at the fact, I see well that's all kind of stuff that uh, you know rock stars do. But I I didn't stop to enjoy it because I was always focused on what's next, what's next, what's next, and I want it bigger and I, and I want to make it you know um, I want to be like this guy or like this band, yeah. and um, it never stops unless. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you consciously make a pause in your life and and look at what's going on and realize that you're already a rock star, and um, and I mean not only in the music sphere but in general, we are living. There is just one moment, and it's the present moment, and it's full of wonderful things, wonderful feeling, wonderful energies, and peaceful creativity is about that: is to combine this this joy of creating um but not only projecting it to the future but also appreciating it in the moment so that's a, mm. some sort of combination between like the, the the creativity and the spirituality found through meditation and and various spiritual um practices yeah well Good for you getting to the essence of what it is that you wanted and then in a way sort of fact-checking your life to see if you're already living that essence or not Yeah, and finding yeah. that you were <laughs> because it must yeah. have been a huge burden to let go of this idea that something in the future uh, will... Mm, you know, I don't know what your, your feeling or your words were around it, but the idea that something in the future will will make life more fulfilling or more complete or, uh, you know, when you arrive at a goal or something like that, but realizing okay. that, Hey, you're already there. You're already living the life that, that you wanted. You've got those mm -hmm. essential pieces and maybe it looks a little different, yeah. but to let go of that seeking, to let go of that, uh, you know, putting off feeling good and acknowledging all the awesome stuff that's happening. You, you quit putting it off. You quit saying, hey, I'll feel that way in the future when it looks yeah. like this. And instead said, hey, this is what it looks like now. And it feels good. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome. Um, nice work. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's obviously an ongoing work. And that's why I, w I wanted to create this blog, peacefulcreativity.com, and this podcast to talk about it with, uh, with, with people who are maybe at some other point in their journey toward peacefulness or creativity mm -hmm. or both. Yeah. And uh, so that's, I think that's a lifelong journey. And, but I can read, if I compare my life pre, for me, it was in 2014, the, this shift pre 2014 and, and post it's uh, I'm enjoying much more life now, you know, even though yeah. I do less concerts, but I, I feel more like a rock star now uh, than, than before. You know, what is it that happened um, in 2014? Well, uh, a lot of things happened. Um, I, I achieved like a big uh, milestone for me in terms of music because we went to um, a tour. Uh, we finally did our European tour with the band, mm -hmm. and uh, we went through my, you know, we went back to my hometown and was like the, you know, the kid from the town who who went away and come back 
victorious with the band so it was a huge <laughs> achievement for me yeah um and uh and but it sucked it sucked because uh you know every night i was thinking about what was going the next day and are we ready enough or will this work will enough people come and all these neurotic thoughts coming in my head and and i couldn't enjoy it so mm. and that was like the, the definition of my dreams i wanted to make this european tour yeah so when i came back uh to prague after that i was like no the, the, there must be something different i can do and and then i started looking for solutions and i stumbled upon i'm doing the compressed version of the story because uh, yeah. i have a lot of questions for you right yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to monopolize the 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 podcast but uh i did some research and i stumbled upon spirituality meditation etc etc and step by step i uh the shift started to happen for me mm. nice mm. well that's awesome yeah <laughs> thank you um but your story is uh, equally if not more awesome than mine because you are I consider that you are in a relationship with the with the universe uh, much deeper than mine and that I'm I'm really really in interested and inspired by. So can you can you tell a bit uh, our listener about the the what you call or what is called the guidance and what it means for you and how you, how you came in contact with it and what which kind of changes it's brought to your life? Yeah, what I call guidance is um, I guess for the sake of conversation, it's a variety of things or it comes in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. What I think about guidance is that it is coming from a deeper, more essential part of myself. It is not coming from my mind, which is operating on logic and trying to decide what to do next using its own limited logic. That logic comes from experience. It comes from things that it's learned. But it's, it's very, I've found it to be very limiting uh, the logic of my mind kept repeating patterns over and over again. So it would come up with the same solution <laughs> over mm -hmm. and over again. So I would have the same outcome over and over again, <laughs> right? It was applying the same logic over mm -hmm. and over again. And I, I found that to be limiting. And so what I've found by, by uh, using, you know, one of the big ways, obviously, as I've said, is using meditation to go beyond my mind, to get out of those limited logic responses that are coming from my mind and instead mm -hmm. tap into some other part of myself and see what that part is saying and see what that part wants. And part of that shift has been that in general, I've noticed my mind is very reactive. It's not very proactive. And we're talking about creativity here. And so yeah. creativity that is just reactive um, is very limited. I mean, it, it's, it's, I suppose it's fine. I'm thinking of it now in the art world. And 
you could have reactive art, but uh, the art that's moved me the most in my life has been just deeply creative. And Mm -hmm. what I see in that is that it goes beyond the bounds of what we know. Most art Mm -hmm. that is reactive is, mm, I don't know, common or it's been done before and now this is the reaction to what's been done before as opposed to somebody who's coming with like an original vision that's that feels like it's breaking beyond everything we know art to be yeah can you give an example of reactive art art uh compared to creative or proactive art like you mean like people who create in 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 response to political events or something like that or could be that yeah yeah could be that i'm i'm possibly going to lose a lot of your audience here but uh <laughs> 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 i mean lose them because they don't like what i'm about to say uh okay you know, i don't know it's okay I don't know what kind are, of, there are three of I them mean, they are my friends so yeah, i'll call them cool. so, so that they keep listening cool. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not an expert on, on identifying, you know, what would be deeply creative or reactive art, but yeah, I mean, what you're saying, like for me, much of the political art that I see feels like it's very reactive and it's just kind of been done before. And maybe that's their guidance. And that's where this is just hard. It's hard to assess in somebody else. Mm -hmm. And you know, this has been my journey. It's just, I've experimented with it within myself. I've experimented with so much stuff within myself. And you heard that in our podcast, just trying different things like, Hey, here's an idea. And David and I would talk about it. We try it. Or it's like, Hey, I was trying this thing and here's what happened. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we captured some of that stuff while we did the podcast, but I've been doing that for years. And, you know, we were experimenting with all kinds of stuff that we didn't talk about in the podcast while we were recording it because, you know, we were only doing one a week and it was only 20 minutes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's always hard to tell what's going on with somebody else. So I really hesitate to do this. But um, I look at somebody like James Terrell, who, um, again, this is this is difficult for your audience unless they've actually experienced his artwork because it's very ephemeral and um, it's hard to even begin to understand it without actually experiencing it because his artwork is light. He is making light the artwork itself, not using light to illuminate something. Uh, the actual qualities of light in the experience of light is the artwork itself, which, oh, wow. you know, these words fall short. This is like talking about spiritual uh, experiences. Yeah. The words fall short. We do our best to put into words to help others who are interested in it and seeking similar experiences or uh, seeking the fruits of those experiences, the, the knowledge and shifts that come from some of these experiences. But the words themselves never accurately do it. And so people will search online for James Trell, and that's cool. Go do that. Look at the pictures. But actually being in one of his works, they're usually full room immersive environments. Mm. Actually being in one and feeling it, um, you know, to me, he's one of my favorite artists, uh, and he's a deeply spiritual artist uh, in my experience of his work and some of what I've read about him. Uh, But he's doing something that I have not experienced with other artists. Mm -hmm. 
there are some other artists working with light who do something similar, something similar, but not in the same way. And, you know, I've seen tons of other light art in my life and uh, none of it has, um, I mean, none of it has moved my brain into a meditative state the way some of his pieces have. And, you know, I, I think that's been looked at uh, and studied. I, I believe they've looked at the brainwaves uh, from his work, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I, may be, I may be making this up. But I definitely felt from just going into his work and spending some time in it, I came out feeling like my mind was, was in a, a similar wavelength to... Uh, what it goes into when I spend a lot of time meditating. So anyways, this is like a massive tangent. Um, the point is that I feel like Super he's though. doing something with light that is, and doing it in the art world that has not been done before. So I see that as a, a real deep creative act. And again, this is, uh, there's so many, this this can go so wrong in so many ways because there are going to be judgments about, oh, well, my art looks like somebody else. Is that coming from my guidance? Is that my true voice or is it not? Yeah. And it could be. Like, you don't have to, you know, invent some new world. But just to illustrate this point, it's like, I don't think that guy is reacting to other people. He, I believe, would talk about his influences and his experiences. And, you know, those range from flying to, uh, you know, Native American approaches to life, uh, to his Quaker upbringing and seeking the light inside, uh, you know, and, and also studying perceptual psychology, I mean, studying uh, psychology, maybe it was perceptual, I don't even know what perceptual psychology is. Anyways, he was some sort of uh, psychology major in college. And, you know, there, there are any number of other influences in his life that contribute to what came from this. But I don't think it was reactionary. And, and I'll use another example, like Jeff Koons, I'm, I'm not a fan of his art. Uh, I think he makes art to make money. And so I think that is a reactionary act. Uh, I think James Terrell makes art because there is something deep inside him that is moving him to make art. Whether he made money off it or not, that guy would be making art. I think if Jeff Koons was not making money off his art, he would be selling stocks or cars yeah. or something yeah, else yeah. to make money. And, you know, so to me, those the product of those two uh, artists feels very different. And I could be completely wrong. Maybe James Terrell is just all in it for the money and Coons is feeling deeply moved inside. This is where we can't judge other people. I don't know. Mm. But for me and what I experience with their art and what I see, I use those two artists as examples of different ways. And so the way that, you know, to make this super practical in my life, I could take a job where somebody's going to pay me some money. And then I'll feel okay because I can pay my mortgage, I can buy food, I can travel, I can do these things, right? Yeah. Uh, that, I'm saying, is a more reactionary process. That is my mind saying, hey, let's do this because it will lead to something good. Yes. But if I tap into my guidance, my guidance may say, no, man, you got another mission in life. It's not just making money from this corporate job. It's not yeah. trading your time and energy for money. It's to do 
what you are passionate about. It's mm. to act on what wants to come up into your life and through your life from deep inside you, way beyond your mind. And when your mind looks at it, your mind may go, fuck no. Yeah. That's not going to make I, any money. That's a horrible I, idea. But I just want to point that uh, you're not just talking like theoretically, right? Because that's correct. Uh, that's that's what you did in your life, right? You 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 yeah. basically. I mean, can you can you talk about that? Because that that's was very impressive for me. Because there is a lot of things out there, you know, about spirituality and uh, you know following following his guts and things like that. But you actually acted on that, you and David, which is why I'm I'm so you know. Inspires me a lot yeah. to listen to my old, uh, own, you know, and act on on my own yeah. guidance. So, can you can you tell us what uh, what you actually did? Yeah. So, um, I acted on it, and I continue to act on it. It is still absolutely a work in progress of yeah. refinement and learning and bringing it to new areas of my life. But yes, I've I've. And that's where it started was, again, experimenting with small things. And for me, um, you know, I had a real watershed moment mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, around a, a vacation I took to Africa. And I just said, hey, you know what? I'm going to surrender all this. I'm going to just follow my guidance. If I feel like looking something up, I'm going to do it. If I don't, I won't. And I tend to travel very spontaneously, very last minute. So I booked a flight to um, Central Africa. Never been to Africa, just wanted to go to Africa uh, and wanted to go right away. So I booked a flight that was leaving about six days later. And so, you know, uh, <laughs> an average uh, <laughs> person would say, Hey, I need to book some hotels. Uh, I need to figure out where I'm going to stay. I need to do some research about what I'm going to do there, but everything. And this includes, you know, the steps that led up to me actually booking a flight. Uh, you know, the flight was the first step yeah. in many ways. It's not like I had done a ton of research on these places. Uh, I had done research on different parts of Africa to figure out if I could go there and they were not working. Uh, like I looked into Chad, uh, and I found this, uh, this, um, tour that is, you know, it's an adventure tour. It's not like a retirement people cushy <laughs> tour. This was, <laughs> yeah. this was going to be a pretty brutal, uh, two week trip to a, an incredibly remote part of Chad out into some mountainous area. There are no roads. I mean, it's like two weeks of off road driving, like no roads off road mm -hmm. driving from what I understood, um, and camping out there, uh, And, uh, you know, that I, I looked into that and I was like, great, let's do this. I was in touch with the owner of the company. I was like, let's do this. And he's like, there's no way you can get the visas in time to come with us. You know, it's, it's just too slow and bureaucratic. So there were things like that where I tried to go other places and it just wasn't yeah. working, but I had surrendered and I said, I'm going to follow the easy path. Like whatever, whatever feels easy. I'm not going to struggle and try and force something or try and figure something out unless it feels fun to do that, unless it feels guided. And so, you know, this is what guided my energy and my attention in, in planning and going through this trip. And um, so I booked a flight, 
Uh, and you know, there were times when I went online, I'm like, great, let me see where I want to go. And I would, you know, search for about five minutes and I'd be like, screw it. I don't feel like doing this. Like, I'm just bored by this. This feels like work and I don't want to do this. And so I just stop. I was just going to be totally true to that guidance to, you know, the guidance of excitement in this case. Um, and what happened was, and I was very true to it. <laughs> um, and my mind was screaming at times going, you need to find a place to stay. You need to figure this out. Um, but I was making choices based on like looking at Airbnb, uh, in Uganda, uh, near Entebbe, the international airport that, that you fly into. And, um, and I was like, wow, those two dogs look really friendly. Well, I'm going to book that place because I'm going to be jet lagged and tired and I'm just going to want to pet yeah. those dogs. Uh, so, you know, I did that. <laughs> and again, there was no mind, there was no logic involved in this of like, wait, you're only there for, you know, a week and a half in Central Africa, like make the most of your time, go here, yeah. go there, like dive right in. It was like, no, I'm actually just going to chill out in this area near the airport that nobody says is interesting, but there are two dogs and I can yeah. just sleep. No, that's, that's, that's amazing, <laughs> man. And I must say, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because... Uh, since this uh, retreat we participated and that was one of the realization for me during this retreat to listen more to my guidance and I, I identify more you know to this kind of behavior of yeah okay I could open uh, you know an Excel spreadsheet and and calculate all the parameter to yeah. this particular choice but I just don't want to so I just go with you know my guts and if in the middle of it I don't want to finish it then I just drop it and and for me as a f yeah. recovering control freak it was really really difficult to do but i feel that since you know you and i had these <laughs> conversations and with david and with the others and that it's it's really starting to be well implemented in my life so nice yeah, nice really happy about that yeah, yeah. Uh, like where that experiment went for me in in the africa trip is uh by the end of it uh, I had, I had booked flights to part of Africa that I had no interest in, but I ended up going unexpectedly, completely unexpectedly to the, the one part of Africa that I most wanted to visit, but thought I could not because of visa issues. And again, it was through just being open and following where I was guided, I did not look into how to get into that country. I saw a random comment on, uh, uh, you know, some sort of like travel board when I was looking mm -hmm. up, uh, something to do in Rwanda and somebody said something about, uh, a way to get in to legally get into the Congo, uh, through a little loophole and get a visa on or basically on arrival. And I, I had, you know, when I looked into it uh, several weeks earlier, it was going to take uh, a long time to get a visa, too long for me to, to go to the Congo. Uh, and so, you know, that's what was so watershed yeah. about this is that um, I had sort of in a completely illogical way, my mind never could have planned these steps that led me to discover yeah. this way yeah. to go mm -hmm. to the one place that I actually really wanted to go. And it's the fact that I gave up on that. My mind gave up and was like, well, screw it. You know, and that's why I started looking at other places like Chad and, and West Africa and all that. But in the end, I ended up being guided right 
to the place that I wanted to go. And so that was a successful experiment for me in following the guidance and ceasing to follow my logical mind. That's amazing. So that that built more Uh trust. And I think what you were referring to when you were talking about how I actually live this is everything that I was saying about a corporate job, that sort of thing. I quit a corporate job three years ago and that did not make sense. Uh, I didn't quit the job to go work another job. I didn't quit the job to throw myself into a business. In fact, (laughs) before I quit the job, like six months earlier, I had decided to stop working with people, to stop doing coaching, Mm. to stop, uh, you know, like the, the little bit of business that I had built, I was like, no, I feel like letting go of it and doing nothing related to it. And so I was just, you know, it, it looks like I was jumping into the abyss with no plan. And to the mind's perspective, I was. But to the part of me beyond my mind, where everything is always okay, it was just the next step in my spiritual exploration and in my unfolding life. And so, you know, I... I I started trying this with really little things. That trip to Africa was a much bigger thing where it's like, wow, this works. Uh, <laughs> and and it's not like everything was the best experience of my life yeah. on that trip. In fact, I, I did not enjoy big portions of it, but it got me to the one thing that I really wanted to do and I couldn't have gotten there any, any other way. And it was all fine. It's not like I had bad experiences on that trip where it was like, oh, if I would have planned ahead, I would have avoided this or anything. It's just, you know, I wouldn't have chosen this. And it's an okay experience, but it built into something that was really cool. And anyways, uh, you know, I've I've kept upping the risk. I've kept (laughs) trying to apply it to bigger and bigger things. And, you know, leaving a corporate job was like, hey, let's figure out this, this money stuff. And, and this was really inspired by somebody else. Uh, uh, this guy that I knew who I've worked a little bit with, who, um, who I heard say, this is something that I've always felt, but I just liked the way he said it. He said, Hey, you know, I'm following these spiritual principles, but you know, if I believe them, why aren't I applying them to all parts of my life? I'd rather apply it to everything right now and find out whether these are real and valid or not. Because if they're not, I want to move on to something else. And That's so point, for yeah. me, you know, really diving into the money thing and saying, hey, you know, if if this is a friendly universe, if life supports us, if our spirit can really guide us, well, I got to try that with money yeah. too. And I've got to go deep into it with money. Uh, because that's, uh, you know, probably the area that, that I was the most afraid to apply to. And I think most humans are most afraid. To I, apply I agree. To. Yeah. That, so it's like, let's, let's try it on the hard yeah, stuff. Ex- no, I'm, I totally agree. Um, the money side is for some reason connected to some deep fear. I don't know if it's because we are men yeah. or if, you know, the, the breadwinner or whatever, or. I don't know why, but I, I also feel like I have this dichotomy between, yeah, okay, it all sounds great, the spiritual things I can apply to my relationship, to, you know, of course, my meditative practice, to to whatever, to sport. But when it comes to money and actually, you know, 
jumping in the abyss or, or jumping in what seems to be the abyss, it's much more scary for the for the on the business side, on the financial side. And actually, that's a question I wanted to yeah. to ask you. So it's been three years, right? Um, that yep. you are active actively following your guidance. How how is it going with on on this scary side of the the money and and the finance and like are you are you living under a bridge now or are you recording this from under a bridge yes. or yes yes uh, I hope that the the eighteen wheelers who are <laughs> cruising past uh, right over me are not distracting the listeners. Um, yeah, it's been over three years since I started following my guidance, but three years since I quit yeah. a job. And, you know, even in that, those three years, I've had different phases of taking it deeper and deeper in terms of really pushing on money and, and, um, you know, testing this. And, uh, no, uh, it's funny. I actually have more money in my bank account than I've mm. ever had, uh, at this moment. Um, not that that's a measure of whether this is working or not. I do feel that there is, uh, and this is something that I've carried and tried to be sensitive to uh, when it comes up in myself, and I really see it in other people as well, which is the idea that, hey, if I do all this spiritual stuff, my life's going to get so much better and it's just going to be easy. And so the brain, the mind translates that into like, hey, I'm going to have a ton of money and I'm not going to have to yeah. worry about money. And uh, I think that's the mind taking that concept and trying to use it for its own means because the mind just wants to feel good. It wants to feel like everything is under control and everything is predictable. Yeah. And so it just wants a ton of money because then it feels like, hey, you're going to be safe. If we have a ton of money, you're going to be safe and I can relax, which is totally not true. Just there are tons of podcasts out there that, where they're interviewing incredibly wealthy people. Like listen to Dax Shepard or Russell Brand and hear them, uh, two people who are very yeah. successful, who have shit tons mm -hmm. of money, and hear how their minds are not at peace. Yeah. But also hear the way they interview other people and see that the the people who have attained massive success through running successful businesses and uh, making tons of money, they did not find the piece. Dax uh, Shepard does a really good job of of hitting this point with people when he interviews them to say, "Hey, man, did it?" I, I remember this during the Steve Madden mm -hmm. episode of the podcast. Uh, um, He's like, great. So you had this guy, Kenneth Cole, as the model of who you wanted. That guy had shoes. He had his name on shoes. That's what you wanted. And you became a bigger company than him. When you crossed uh, his company, when you were more successful than his company, was your mind at peace? Did you find the yeah. peace you thought you would have? Like, yeah. And Steve Mann's like, no, of yeah. course not. <laughs> Um, and so the mind is full of lies. Like you can check this yourself, find rich people, like podcasts are a great way to do it. Like really dig around and you'll find that the mind is saying this will solve all your problems and it doesn't, yeah. it just doesn't, you know um, that I, I'm mm -hmm. just so saying it's, it's, uh, it's really the, it's yeah. this, the story of, uh, you know, in another area, but it's the story of peaceful creating after something with the mindset that once I get this thing, so in my case, it was, you know, rockstar status yeah. for someone else. It's 
a decent amount of money. Once I get that thing, I'll be at peace. I'll be, I'll be, you know, it'll be okay. I'll be finally happy. And that's, I mean, we know it's bullshit. By ex- everybody knows, everybody can experience that it's bullshit because everybody reached some achievements of some gold and felt happiness slash, you know, relief for five minutes maybe. And then the next thing came up and that's why i think spirituality and developing this practice of of being now in the now and enjoying what we have is so important and uh yeah yeah so there are two lies there and one of them or two stories there and we can fact check them and figure out that they are both lies and one of them, as we said, you can listen to podcasts, you can see the people who make a ton of money, their minds are not at ease. Their mind is still saying something else will make you feel peaceful, will make you feel good, will make you feel fulfilled or complete or whatever, happy, whatever it is. Uh, and yeah. we can check the other one and see that there are plenty of people who followed their guidance, who did things in their lives who made choices that were illogical they instead chose to follow maybe an unconventional path and again this doesn't need to be like over the top unconventional those are the stories that we hear about but there are tons of people who have left corporate jobs to go do something that they enjoy much more and it's worked for them and so we can look at it and see that these are both lies uh, the more inquiry you do on yourself, um, especially with the aid of meditation, I find, you find that the mind is simply lying. And so yeah. we don't have to counter this or address this or understand it. We can simply recognize, hey, the mind is talking. Most likely that's a lie. <laughs> and this isn't apparent initially, but the deeper you go on this path, the more you actually launch honest inquiries and see the truth of what the mind is saying, you realize that the mind is just making crap up to be afraid of over and over again. And then the mind is saying, hey, if you do this or that, you'll feel better. And it's like, wait, the only reason why I felt bad is because you said something and I believed it. <laughs> the mind said something yeah. and I, and then you <laughs> believed it. You as a complete human being system believed it and then took action to try and make yourself feel better. And so much of life just becomes this kind of uh, what I see as a waste (laughs) where you're running in circles, where you're creating your own little problems and then you're seeking to solve them. And I believe that's why this is an endless cycle. The mind is never satisfied because the mind is simply saying, hey, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, or this could go wrong, this could go wrong, this could go wrong. Why don't you do this, this, and this? And so you're just chasing your tail. You know, in that yeah. way, it just becomes a, a, a treadmill that you're on that you never solve. And so the way to solve this problem, and I'm using air quotes, is to simply stop. <laughs> stop solving yeah. it. Stop believing that something is wrong to begin with. Yeah. Then there's nothing yeah, to solve. Not completely agree do do you do you have uh like an idea why the mind does that i mean do you do you go with the traditional uh idea that it's an evolution issue and that by 
adding fears where there is no danger we we protect you know life of the we protect our life or, or do you have some other idea of why it's like that Uh, yeah, I mean, hey, that's like solid logic and solid reasoning. I've also heard a lot of solid logic and solid reasoning debunked. <laughs> um, mm. So uh, I, I like that explanation. I also like the explanation that this is all simply a game. And it's mm. like characters in a video game being like, do you have yeah. any idea why we're pixels on a screen? Like what it's like, because yeah. that's the way the game is played. <laughs> mm. We, we are the characters in a video game. So, you know, we're pixels on a screen. Like it's as simple as that. Like that's the game that's we're in the game. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I like that too. I, I don't know what's, what the actual answer is, but what I do feel more confident in is looking historically and seeing that things used to be much simpler. So if you were, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, if, if the two of us were hanging out in India 2000 years ago um, and talking about this stuff, uh, talking about Vedic philosophy and, and how you apply it to your life and, uh, you know, using meditation and stuff like that, there would be, I believe, and I don't know whether this is true. This is just this is just something that I like to think about. Is is that I think it was easier to do back then in certain ways because we've just we've made our lives so complex, and the complexity is just all mind. Like so much of our complexity. Again, I believe that so much of human activity is just driven by that cycle that I was talking about, where the mind says. Hey, things are not going to be okay in the future. I'm afraid something might go wrong. You better be you better do this to make sure that it doesn't. Or this seems to be heading in a bad direction. Why don't we do this to make sure everything's okay? And I believe that that is what drives so much of human behavior. So, uh, you know, the average person is working many hours a week and spending their time and energy on that. I have not spent my time or energy on that in the last three years. Like, yes, I work with people on meditation. Yes, I've, I've, you know, uh, taught groups, uh, meditation, guided meditation. I've worked with people one-on-one. -on -one. I've done online programs, but, uh, I have not felt guided to do this full time or to put a lot of energy or time into this. And so yes. in large part, the last three years, have been spent in leisure. <laughs> um, that's amazing. I mean, yes. That's fantastic. So, you know, when I, when I say I have more money in my bank account now than I ever have, virtually none of it has come through my work uh, with people, life coaching, uh, teaching the meditation, however you want to refer to it. Like it, it has not come from that. Um, it's come purely from uh, selling drugs using Bitcoin. It's untraceable. I sell weapons. 
<laughs> Just kidding. Scott, we talked um, about it before. You're not supposed to say it during the podcast, <laughs> man. Come on. How oh, you forgot? Oh, I man. thought we stopped recording. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was still on. Uh, oh, gee, the FBI is at my door already. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I've, I, I've not gotten into the Bitcoin thing or selling drugs or weapons. Um, but, you know, I, I just want to, you know, this has been part of my observation is like, uh, I see how much time and energy people spend on these things, uh, like work. <laughs> and um, I, it's so obvious to me because I've spent virtually no time on work in the last three years. And my life has felt better than it's ever felt. And I don't know. I mean, this this gets into tricky territory depending on where the person's coming from and what their beliefs are and what their experience with this stuff is. But um, what I'm saying is just, you know, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know why our minds do this, but I think that we've built up layer after layer after layer after layer of it that it becomes so difficult to see it. And one of the things that I love yeah. about travel is that, you know, when I, I've been able to spend this time, I've, this, sorry, not this time, this year, I've spent three months in Eastern cultures out of the Western culture. You know, I was born and raised in the United States. I've lived here my whole life. I've traveled extensively, but I've lived here my whole life. And to be out of this culture for three months, to be out of a Western mindset, a Western culture was very interesting. Um, to be in, in an Eastern culture where, uh, you know, it's, in my experience of it, there was less of an emphasis on status, on wealth, on, hey, look at me. You know, these egoic drives and these egoic outcomes was so eye-opening just to see the way people interact with each other, the way people interact with life, the way they choose to spend their time, but also to see the satisfaction levels, to see the peace, to see the smiles yeah. on their faces. You know, things like this, it's like, uh, in Western culture, we've made things so complex. There are so many layers. There's so much to untangle to mm. finally see like, oh my God, there's another way of living. I mean, there are many ways of living, but there's, you know, there's a way of living that does not involve believing what the ego says and following it and, and allowing that to be the bulk of your activity and energy spend every day. Mm-hmm. But don't you feel like there is a, also a shift in the Western culture with the development of, uh, I don't know what they call the, uh, the gig economy and uh, more and more mm. people realizing that they are not going to spend uh, 40 years in in uh, one job, but there, there are going to be some changes and, you know, books like Sorry. the 4-Hour Workweek, which promotes <laughs> yeah. like mini retirement and things like that. The, I, I don't know what's what's your take on that do, do you feel like uh, it's it's changing or what do you yeah, see Yeah I do I feel like those are big openings and that people have different experiences through that and that certainly yeah. is a part of the process of shaking loose from this idea that you need to work 40 hours a week or you need to be tied to mm -hmm. a singular physical location to do work to earn money but uh, I think the more profound transformation can come from shifting the motivation behind behavior. Yeah. Are you doing that gig? Are you taking that job because your mind is saying you need to? Because your mind is is you know perpetrating this environment of fear that says 
you will not have money unless you do this job. Is that the motivation behind it or is the motivation behind it, wow, I really want to have this experience. I feel like this is coming from deep inside me and I want to see where it goes. You know, and and this is like the idealized artist, uh, you know, I guess um, archetype or or something, uh, you know, where we've got this, oh, they, you know, they quit their job and they were so passionate about art that they went in and did it. And I think that was something that I stumbled over for a long time was like, but I'm not passionate about painting or, you know, like I didn't have an art form. And it was like, well, that's for artists to do. But I feel this pull. And and the way that I've found this play out in my life is it was simply being true to myself Hmm. in every single moment. And when I was working a corporate job, I was doing it out of fear. I was doing it because I felt like I wouldn't have enough money to be happy. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be able to live in a nice uh, home. I wouldn't be able to afford to travel or, you know, I wouldn't feel financial freedom. And these are all fine things. But it, there's there's just a, a, a deeper layer, a more fundamental question. Are you going to be motivated by fear? Or are you going to be motivated by creativity? Are you going to be motivated by inspiration is the way I look at it. And these are different flows. The fear is an inward flow. You know, the it's a reactive, like, inward flow. It's saying, hey, there's the world out there, and it's going to affect me in a negative way, so I better take action and get a job and make money and make sure that I'm taken care of, versus an outward flow, an expressive outward flow from inspiration, which is, hey, man, I don't know shit about how life works or why it works the way that it does or you know, I just, I don't know anything about it, but mm-hmm. there's something in me that I'm inspired to do. There's that my guidance is moving me in this way. And I don't know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to roll the dice on it, you know? And, and I see this happen again, like listening to other people interviewed on podcasts. I love hearing when this sort of comes out, they, they may use very different ways. They may have never gotten into spirituality at all. They may not be religious. They may not have any exposure to any of these, you know, sort of, uh, well, just spiritual or religious or supernatural ideas. Instead, they, for some reason, were just true to some idea inside them and acted on it and. I see that as following their inspiration, following their guidance, and and that's it. And that's such a beautiful thing. And I spent so much of my life being reactive, and now I'm trying to flip it around and follow that inspiration to allow that to flow out into the world. And I don't know what happens with that, hmm. but it's the, it's a totally different motivator. And I think that's the real transformation that we're headed towards. So yeah, I think gig economy, stuff like this, four-hour work week, many retirements that helps free people up to see that, oh, this idea uh, of, of work as you know, we've experienced it for generations, isn't the only way to do it. But there is another level of what's your motivation? What's driving you? Where is this coming from? Because it, to me, it feels totally different to be reactive to the world versus saying, wow, there's something glowing in me. You know, there's just some energy, some inspiration, something bright and amazing in me. Yeah. And I can either ignore that by going and getting a corporate job and then feeling unfulfilled and, you know, being able to being able to buy a nice car and, uh, uh, you know, buy a nice home and, yeah, and you numb, know, stay and in really numb nice yourself hotels. with with various 
means exactly. to to forget about the inner dissatisfaction yes. you know like yeah no, yes Or you act on that inner satisfaction and who knows, you may have a lot of money to buy a nice home and a nice car, or you may have less money or who knows. Mm. But as you just pointed out so brilliantly, you don't need to numb it. You don't need to compensate for the feeling of disconnection inside that comes from acting out of fear and not being true to your own deep inner guidance, your own deep inspiration. Uh-huh. Um. I mean, the artist who doesn't create feels miserable. This oh, is where yeah. we can look at that model and see it. It's like, the, you know, the artist who doesn't create, but the artist who just has this driving inspiration in them, they will create no matter what yes. the circumstances are. They will paint with mud if they don't have the money to buy oil paints. Like yeah. this is a powerful thing inside each of us. Some of us seem to get that more easily or to to have it come through uh, with like a more re- unrelenting uh, drumbeat where you can't ignore it. For me, it's been harder to tap into it and be like, what's in there? What wants to happen? Hmm. You know, I was more disconnected from it, but I've been trying to become more and more connected to it and more true to it so that I am like that artist who, you know, just... I, you know, they don't care if they sell it. They, they, this just needs to happen. They need to do this. They need to express in this way. And I think that's true for all of us. It's just a question of how disconnected we are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a music producer, I can totally re- uh, relate like the, the, the joy or, or the, the f- state of flow that I experience when I create, uh, yes. it, it doesn't really matter if, I mean, it's better if, if someone listened to it, you know, but if I don't do it in that moment so that someone else listened to it, it's just, I need to, it needs to go out and needs to, it needs to be done. You know, it's in me and it's, it needs to be created. Yes. Yeah. So that, yes, I really re- relate so to we what can you look, just said. Yeah. Yeah. We can look at artists that way, but uh, something that an artist friend of mine said to me a few years ago that, that took a while for me to really grasp this and understand it was he's like he said your life is your art he's like the way you're living your life is your art like he had his art you know and and certainly his entire life was but you could also just look at his art and say well you know this is what he's dedicated himself to and this is really fulfilling for him and i haven't found that thing to dedicate myself to that's really fulfilling that's a job like his art was uh that makes money like his art does uh But he's like, listen, like you are experimenting with your life and that is your work of art. And it's the same thing, you know, you with music, like you experiment with this, with that. It's all an experimentation. It's all an experiment, right? You're just trying this out, trying that out. You're inspired to play with this or play with that. And then it informs and shapes what you do down the road. Mm, Totally. Yeah. It, It doesn't stop at like... It doesn't stop at art itself, like in the tra- traditional sense. It's what the stuff we are talking about. It's not just for musician, for for visual yes. artist, for it's for everybody. Yeah, as you said, the, the, yes, as your as your friend said, the life is the art. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we're all creating our own unique mm. piece of art that is the entirety of our life. Mm. Mm. We're all creating by living. We're creating a unique life that's never been lived before. Yeah, there may be similarities to other people who have lived, but this obviously each person's 
life is different from everybody else's. It's a unique work of art. Yeah. It's uh, a creative act. I feel like at this point, the people who are still here listening, they, they probably wonder how they can bring that to their life. And uh, because there is, as you said, this sense of disconnect for, for a lot of us. Uh, and I would say that, I mean, there are several ways, as, as we said before, but meditation seems to be a, an amazing tool um, to change this awareness of what's happening and what's, uh, and actually take a, make a pause and see, uh, sorry, let me rephrase that, actually pause and see this, this glowing light you were mentioning inside us. In, in order to see this light, we need we cannot do it if we are driving or if we are you know constantly numbing ourselves with alcohol, drugs, work, whatever. Um, so let's talk a little bit about meditation because that's uh, I know that's also a very important tool for you that you went on several retreats and that it helped you toward your uh, your path toward guidance to connect with your guidance. Uh, or am I mistaken by saying so? No, absolutely. So, so which uh, for for somebody who would like, so if you had to give like some advice for people who want to get into meditation or to, you know, go uh, go about it, where where would you start? Mm. Mm -hmm. The goal being to. I would start by. The goal being to work on this disconnect and 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 you know spend time with you know, oneself. Sure, I think the easiest part of a place to start is to just stop thinking, and don't just do it for like a couple moments. Do it for a couple days. Just no thoughts for a couple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is uh, to me the biggest misconception yeah. about meditation is people over and over again say I can't do it because I can't stop thinking. Yeah. And that's not really the point. Wonderful if it happens, uh, not the point. I have heard uh, people who are revered as, uh, uh, you know, amazing teachers who are were fully self-realized in their lifetime. Uh, I've heard uh, uh, that um, the thoughts kept coming. Uh mm. In fact, I believe one of them, uh, when asked directly, uh, said that the uh, um, the, <laughs> the thoughts are like the traffic in India. They keep coming. You just pay no mind to it. Yeah. And um, and so the you know the the when you start meditating, um, I think it's important to uh, just go on the journey and not have um, not have these ideas about what the experience should be like. It is, as you said, a moment to pause. And good things come from slowing down and pausing. Your mind is very loud and very quick. And the guidance um, that comes from beyond your mind, uh, I believe this is a, a line from, oh, am I going to remember the line or not? 
Oh, I almost had it. Uh, there's a line, uh, something along the lines of, uh, well, a phrase, the still small voice is coming, but there's something about um, like your ego is, is, ah, I can't think of the line, but the, the, the general concept here uh, that I believe comes from A Course in Miracles, and I'm sure it's talked about many other places, is that um, your mind is very loud and it, it, it's constantly talking and you need to give some time and space to hear the quieter parts of you. And that's where the guidance is. That's where that inspiration is. That's where you're going to access a different part of yourself that may say something quite contradictory to what you hear in your mind. We're all used to the voice in our mind. I would challenge you to recognize that uh, maybe it's not just one voice in your mind. Maybe it's multiple voices mm -hmm. in your mind. Um I've found I, I did not like that idea when it was first posed to me. And it took me a while to, to sort of settle in. But as I played with that concept and observed, I, I did find that uh, if it's a singular voice, it's fucking nuts. Because sometimes yeah. it's totally on board with something and then a second later, it's totally against it. And so in that way, uh, that voice <laughs> seems like it's maybe many different characters. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, it tends to be very quick and very loud and meditation slowing down in any way helps you begin to become more aware of that part of you that's that's beyond i mean really bottom line i would simply say for people to follow their guidance and the easiest way to follow it uh in earlier stages is to find what is exciting to you so if you're interested in meditation if that sounds interesting check out some meditations don't suffer through it <laughs> stop doing it if you're not into it you're not really going to get much out of it if you just force yourself to do something and some people do and they get good results that's just not the way i advise no. going about things that's not the way i experience it that's not the way i see people progress the fastest hmm. most efficiently i find that it's best for people to simply find what they're interested in and do that. There are tons of different approaches to meditation, tons of different styles. And ultimately, ultimately, all of this is leading you back to your own guidance yeah. anyways. So start with your guidance. Find something that you're into. If it's not meditation, great. It's not meditation. As I said, there are many people who who you know come to uh, live a very aligned life, who never go through any kind of Eastern approach, any kind of spiritual approach, they find their alignment in different ways, ways to be true to their own deeper self. But yes, uh, you and I are both on the same page. The meditation can be really helpful. And I guess bottom line, after all that talking, I would say just do whatever seems exciting to you. Find some meditations that are exciting to you. Amazing advice insight timer youtube yeah. uh, you, you, uh maybe you know some others are there other apps or uh places you know where people are putting out meditations so i'm uh, i'm doing the sam harris course at the moment which is called waking up um it's i mean there are a million mm. of free apps and for some reason i decided to pick a paid one and uh i'm <laughs> i'm blown i'm blown away frankly i'm really really happy with it nice uh it's based on vipassana so mindful mindfulness meditation yeah. 
And for some reason, this time I, I start to really manage to be the observer and really be mindful of moments uh, during the practice, but more importantly, and that's a question I wanted to ask you as well, uh, in the outside outside world. Because uh, so you and I met at this retreat and you led one, uh, you led a meditation there. And uh, around this, yes. uh, the, this guided meditation that you led, you, you told us that um, we tend to meditate by, I don't know how you put it, but limit our senses. We have closed eyes. We are in a quiet mm, environment. Yes. And that's, that's not the real world. The real world is noisy. There is a lot of things happening all the time. And uh, I found that for me, this this app is helping me being more present in the real world as well. And uh, I want mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you how you go about that, about this transition between the practice. So okay, let's say that our, our listener find whatever thing that his guidance, uh, you know, push pushes him or her toward. A kind of meditation, another kind of meditation, yoga, uh, I don't know, walk in the morning or whatever. They found this yeah. and they, yeah. they achieve some or, or they get in the state that's, that feels good and that feels guided and present. But then when they go back to work, because they don't want to drop their uh, corporate job uh, <laughs> right away, or when they go back to their usual circumstances, it all falls apart. How would you advise a person in that situation? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me see. Uh, what's the simple answer? For me, that's just where the rubber meets the road. Um, What I was talking about is we we go into a state of sensory deprivation, sensory deprivation in a way. Yes. Yeah. You know, we yeah, we we first practice meditating, making it easy on ourselves by sitting still and being in a quiet room and closing our eyes. And so there's less stimulus coming in to pay attention to. And we practice and we practice and we practice and we practice and what we practice doing is uh you know the my approach to meditation and what i work with people on and what has worked for me and worked with people that i've worked with is to practice going to a part of yourself connecting to a part of yourself that is beyond the mind and building a relationship to that part of yourself because that part's always been there you're just not paying attention to it it's there right now you're just not paying attention to it And so it becomes easier to connect to this part and build a relationship to that part when you're not running around with your eyes open, you know, with all kinds of stimulus around you. So that's why we do this sensory deprivation is to practice connecting to that part of ourselves and then to build that relationship and make it a stronger relationship. And then what happens after that relationship has been strengthened is, again, that part of you has always been there. It's been with you every moment of your life but you simply have not been paying attention to the fact that it's there. And so what happens once you build a strong connection to you, you have a good relationship to it, 
you begin to be able to stay with it when you open your eyes. You can still feel it there. You can still stay connected as you're uh, you know, driving, as you're standing in line at the grocery store, as you're in your work environment, as you're hanging out with friends. Uh, you know, it, it just becomes more and more ever-present. So the practice never changes. The practice is simply connecting to that part of yourself. Again, the practice is not having thoughts. It's it's uh, not about not having any uh, a certain experience. It's about staying connected to that part of yourself that you've been ignoring. And you do it with your eyes closed. You do it, you know, the way we learn meditation, and then you continue to practice doing it when you open your eyes and you leave the room. <laughs> when you're interacting with people, when you're talking to people, you stay connected to that part of yourself. And in this way, you know, you're sort of paying attention to two things at once. Like you're, you're paying attention to that part of you that is still and silent and energetic and, you know, just energetic in the sense that it's just energy uh, or however you experience it. Different people experience it different ways. Maybe a color, maybe a sound, maybe it's a, a physical feeling of sorts that's not physical. It's beyond physical, but they would describe it as a physical feeling of sorts. Um, you know, there are these different ways to perceive it, but you are uh, out interacting, seeing the traffic around you or seeing the people in line at the grocery store around you. But you're also aware of this calm, peaceful part of you inside. It's like you have yeah. one eye on that and one eye on what's going on in the world around outside of you. Again, this is you know, this is something that just becomes natural. It just, it becomes more a part of your environment. And we do this all day, every day. Like your ears are taking in all kinds of sounds that you're not thinking about, you're not focusing on, but they're there and they affect you in some way. And, and so, you know, this becomes a part of your daily experience. You're still able to function and go out and move around the world completely fine and talk to people and listen to them. But you're also connected to this other part of yourself and in a way paying attention to that part of yourself. Does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. And um, I was actually thinking that this this what you just said that you know there are like tons of stimuli tons of of sounds all the time that we don't notice and but that have still some influence on us that could be considered like yeah uh you know more um, scientific explanation on why guidance works that well that like basically we're absorbing all these informations uh, like sounds mm. Uh, mm. you know vision some some physical cues on a person like body language we are absorbing it because we are fantastic creatures and uh, but our mind is not able to process it but our our intuition or you know the expression of the of our guidance is telling us, hey, this is exciting. We should go this way. This is this person uh, mm. seems trustworthy, or oh yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like going to this place now. So maybe I don't know. Maybe that could be because we actually have the, yeah. the data, but we it's not translated so that we can consciously 
make the, the thought about why I want to go to this place, but just like intuitively, you know, we, we have the data and we act on it if we follow our guidance. I don't know. It just came to my mind when you talked about the multiple of sounds, multitude of sounds. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I I think what I hear you saying is that uh, the guidance is always always yeah. there. Like it's it's been there. It's just been mixed with other things. Is that yeah. a part of what you're yeah, saying? Totally. Yeah. So this is this brings me to something that uh, that that I think is true, uh, which is people keep asking like, how do you know what's guidance mm. and what's not? And as I drilled into that more and more, I mean, I I feel like I know it intuitively now because I've worked with this. But as I drill into it more and more, it's like you don't know. You never know because it's always a mix <laughs> because we're human beings and we have a mind. And so there's always a mix. It's, oh, I feel like moving this way, but then it's mixed with the mind subtly getting in there and being like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. <laughs> or, hey, if we did it this way, it would be it would be better, which in mind language translates to it would be safer. It would be more predictable. It would mm. yield a better result. But it may not be as pure of of guidance anymore. It's been, you know, it's been. Uh, I, I don't even want to say tainted, but it's been hmm. it's been mixed uh, with something else. And and I think that's why this question keeps coming up over and over again of of how do you know what's guidance and what isn't? And this really, uh, you know, in a lot of people, I see a really significant struggle around, but I want to do it right. I really am committed and want to follow my guidance, but this is really confusing because I don't know if this is guidance or my mind. And I see people get caught. I see people get straight up, like just stuck in life and stalled out and not making decisions, just incapable of of moving forward in in you know certain areas of their life because of this and it's like listen it's 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 not a question of whether it is or it isn't everything is a mix it's just what is the mix and what is your best choice in this moment like what what do you think is more your guidance and less your mind in this moment versus uh or or uh in this moment uh, versus the option that is more mind and less guidance in this moment. And it's, you know, you learn. You're, again, this is an unfolding practice and you learn from what works and what doesn't. You, you learn to feel into this on deeper and deeper levels. You learn to feel into the subtlety more and more. And that's where it just becomes more and more obvious. There's just a feeling to the mind's activity and the mind's decisions. And so it becomes clearer when an option is mixed with more mind than guidance. Because there isn't fear. There isn't, um, there isn't this uh, like projection of how is this going to turn out when it's coming from guidance. It's just Ooh, isn't this a fun idea? And that's it. It's not, is it going to make money? Is it going to look good? Are other people going to like it? Uh, am, you know, am I going to feel good? It's like, no, you know, you're going to feel good because this is just play. This is just fun. And, 
I think that's all life is, is play and fun. <laughs> and so it, it becomes more of, well, some people aren't going to like this, but uh, more of like a childish drive. Um, you know, it's it's more about play and creativity. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what we're talking about here, the <laughs> creative side to life. And it's just that inspiration of like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I just want to try it. And that's where life becomes this amazing adventure instead of this like droning, uh, boring, limited, uh, repetitive slog. <laughs> like every moment becomes an adventure because you don't know where it's going to go. You don't know how it's going to turn out. And you're not even trying to predict it. You're like, again, this is a progression and it's a mix of things and you just get better and better at, at changing the mix so that it's more guidance, less mind, more inspiration, less fear is another way to say this. And it just becomes more and more of an adventure because you don't know what the hell is going to happen. But you know that it's going to be so much fun to see what happens. It's going to be, and again, not with the emphasis on the outcome, really the emphasis on it's going to be so much fun to engage with this idea. And you know this from your from composing and yeah. producing, from writing music. You know that it's so fulfilling and fun, even when the outcome is super shitty. Like oftentimes the mind will come in and you'll believe it and go, well, that was a waste of time. I yeah. just spent three hours on that thing and the outcome isn't very good. But something in you knows that you just had to do that anyways. And that that's, it just had to be done. You just had to have that exploration. And you just, if you go into it without your mind, uh, you know, without the filter of the mind judging what's going on and judging the outcome, then it's just pure play. It's just, hey man, I don't know why I want to do this. I don't know why I want to write this way. I don't know why I want to put these notes together. I don't know why I want to use these tones or this instrument. <laughs> I just do. And so I'm just going to do it. And that's it. Yeah, That is fulfilling. That is the childish play. That is the inspiration. And that is where our mind says, there's no way in hell you can construct a life around that. That will be chaotic. and just crazy yeah. <laughs> and you will end up under a bridge <laughs> and you should end up under a bridge for living life that way yeah. like that's what the mind will say to you but again experiment for yourself but what i found is the more you dive into this you get into a flow you get into a synchronized uh dance with the universe where it doesn't make sense it's not going to make sense to your mind but it's a flow where Everything works out. And that doesn't mean everything has a brilliant outcome. It doesn't mean that every moment is your favorite moment on earth. It just means that everything works out. So yeah, this was really boring. Yes, this was not ideal. But you know what? It showed me something really great. And that actually led to this other thing that I can do now. Or it's okay that it wasn't great. It doesn't need to be awesome in every moment, but I trust it and I just go with it. And I don't know why it went there. I don't know why it wasn't great, but following my guidance also led me to this other thing that was really great that I never could have predicted and I never could have lined up myself. So I'm glad that that happened and it's okay if this was boring or yeah. dull or whatever. And I don't even know why it was. Like when you surrender your mind, you don't need these answers. It doesn't need to be, oh, okay, this is why this happened. I've diagnosed it. And now I know how to avoid it in the future. Instead, it can just be like, hey, I'm okay. I can deal with that. I can have those feelings of this was sort of boring and this was sort of dull. 
but I'm choosing to follow this guidance because my God, this life is so much more vibrant and alive and exciting and adventurous than that other way that when I'm real about that other way, when I actually take a look at it through neutral eyes, I can say, hey, I spent years, years and years and years. This is what I learned. This was my approach to life to diagnose, to figure out, to be strategic, to take action, to solve problems all from my mind. And that also led to a life that had a lot of unpleasant moments. And it just ended up feeling too confining to keep going. And living this other way does not lead to every moment being brilliant, over the top, the best thing ever. But you know what? It feels a lot more alive. And those moments... And there's range, you know, there's rain. Part of being alive is the range of like, not so into this moment. Hey, this moment's really great. And that range becomes broader. You know, you feel more alive and more engaged with life. And you're just on the adventure. You know, this is the difference between like, I haven't done this and I actually want to do this, so I shouldn't be making fun of this. But it's the difference between like taking a vacation where you're on a cruise and you visit, you know, three different countries mm which means going on land for uh, six hours before the ship leaves. It's the difference between that, which is a very controlled and very risk-adverse approach to visiting other countries versus uh, showing up in another country with no idea what's going on there, no plan, and you're just going to hang out with people and figure out what they're all about. (laughs) You know, that's diving head first into the culture, that's a risky, adventurous way to live. And for some of us, it's just far too boring to be on that cruise ship. And so, yes, maybe, uh, you know, it, it looks like, hey, maybe I'll, I'll finally make this work and it'll be super fulfilling. But for a lot of us, it's just never going to be fulfilling to live that limited risk adverse way. This other way that is more open and adventurous. Yeah, that doesn't mean every moment's going to be perfect but it's going to be rich and we're going head first into it and we don't know what's going to happen next. And even though things quote unquote go wrong, living that way, traveling that way, uh, there's still a lot of amazing experiences, even when shit goes wrong. That's uh, that's really an amazing way to, to live. And I keep uh, being inspired by, David and you two living this way and gradually being more, including more of this, you know, childish uh, drive. Uh, I, I like, actually, I don't, I don't, I have two childs, two children, and I don't find mm. that, you know, calling it a child, childish uh, impulse. So I don't know how you put it exactly, but uh, I, I don't feel it's, it's negative. I think it's, there is like this magic and this beauty around, around, you know, children and the way they look at the world. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, yeah. I want that in my life as well. So, um, I want to one more time, thank you so much for, you know, accepting to do this interview. I, I hope it will be of, uh, as much value for our listeners as it was, uh, to, to me. Um, that's such a great reminder. Well, of, yeah, man. Thanks. <laughs> that's such a great thanks reminder. Thanks for inviting of, me. Of, and, uh, sorry, please go on, please. <laughs> Still working out the kinks with delays. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate you, uh, inviting me to do this. It's been a really fun conversation, but also I'm excited about the fact that you're doing this. 
you know, this is very much an example of you following an inspiration. You know, it, it arose in you and you wanted to explore and have this experience and you're going to be adding something that I think is really great <laughs> in my bias, I think is really great to add this to the world, which is the exploration of creativity and, and spirituality and a different way of living. So um, I think that's awesome that you're on your path and, and this is one tiny piece of it. You're involved in many other things, which are awesome as well, but that's cool that you're doing this. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about that. And I, I feel like I'm, I was a bit tired because, you know, we have with the time zone, I'm, I'm usually going to bed early, but this conversation really energized me and now I'm feeling super pumped and, and I, I feel alive, you know, uh, talking with you about this, these topics, which are super interesting. Uh, it just energizes, energizes me and, and make me feel great. So yeah, I want to continue for sure. Awesome. Um, so maybe what's uh, do you want to share something with the with the listener like what your where they can learn more about you and what you do uh you know if you if you have a website sure. or some you know social medias links to share yeah uh my website is is the best place to find out about me it's scottfraser.com that's s-c-o-t-t-f-r-a-z-i-e-r.com that'll be in the show notes for this episode for sure i was gonna say <laughs> you're stealing my line you're stealing my line oh. <laughs> i know i knew it was coming i could feel it <laughs> i could feel you being the good host and uh since since i've done this a couple yeah. times i <laughs> i figured i'd step on it and do it myself <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I love working with people on, in this process and, uh, this is not a bid to increase my business. Uh, I sincerely don't think that, um, that this can be done alone. I, I actually think that the way this is all designed, uh, is for us to work together on these things and to share what we've learned with each other mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, the mind is a, a tricky thing to, you know, we have a lot of blind spots and uh, the mind is quite persuasive and cunning and it's not your enemy. Uh, that's just a fact. It, uh, it operates in a, some very persuasive ways. And if your desire is to experience living life in a different way with more peace and um, more alignment and more inspiration and creativity in your life and uh, more fulfillment and happiness, then I, I think it, you know, I tried to do this myself at many points uh, by watching videos, going to retreats, stuff like that. But I, I never would have made it uh, where I've gotten to without working with coaches and teachers one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, if anybody is interested in that sort of thing, uh, you can find me through my website. I love working with people. I also offer group stuff from time to time. Uh, and sometimes I just quit working as we've talked mm -hmm. about here. So, uh, but my website is always okay. up. <laughs> <laughs> Your website never quits. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, just, just to clarify, I don't uh, quit working with people in the middle of working with them. <laughs> <laughs> nope. That's my, what my, I don't just hang up in the middle of a call. Like <laughs> that's my guidance. You know, after I gotta go our, by, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. After our fifth, like halfway through our fifth call, like, listen, man, just not feeling it. You're pretty boring today. So see ya. Uh, I mean, I will tell you that you're boring if you're just talking from your mind over and yeah. over again, because I, people are far more interesting when they're speaking from their, their heart and their soul than from their mind. Uh, I, I would have told you that. So uh, congrats on uh, speaking from <laughs> Your the test in my own podcast. <laughs> I've stayed on here for like an hour and oh, a half. Yeah. And yeah. I really appreciate that you did, Scott. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, it's been, it's fun. been great. And uh, if, uh, you know, if the podcast goes, uh, continues and, and, and grows as I hope it will, then hopefully we can make a round two sometime in the future and see uh, and see Certainly. you know how things evolved where your guidance brought you where my guidance brought me etc et yeah yeah i'm up for that okay cool man so thanks again for doing that absolutely thank you If you want more of the Peaceful Creativity Podcast, go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe. You will get the episodes before anybody else, the free easy tools for immediate inner peace ebook, the fun favorite and uncensored sound filter Sunday, and much more. You also get the satisfaction of supporting independent podcasting and help keeping the project alive. All of this for free. So go to peacefulcreativity.com slash join the tribe. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and as always, peace.